From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Chase Parm, and today we're going to talk with Ole Miss recruiting coordinator and baseball assistant coach Carl Lafferty. The Rebels just uh, got done with the Major League Baseball draft, the entire signing class intact, and headed to Oxford. So we'll talk about the high school guys, also a JUCO pitcher that they are pretty excited about as well, and we'll hit a lot of other things, including uh, are they a little behind, would not be able to get out and recruit, what uh, the summer circuit typically looks like for assistant coaches and more. So we catch up with Carl for uh, the better part of an hour or so on today's podcast, a podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Speed Pass Plus out. Use it. Get to know it. Use it at all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi because when you do that, you can uh, be taken care of, be as healthy as possible. You don't have to touch much. You can pay right there on the app, and it will take care of you. Again, Speed Pass Plus app with Blue Sky and the Oxford Exxon. You go next door to the Oxford Crystal. The drive through is open, and more there next door to the Oxford Exxon is the Oxford Crystal. And coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South in Amory. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy, and he will take care of you. Within 15 minutes, you can get a quote during business hours. You get a discount if you mention the podcast a lot of stuff going on there at Clark Ford in Amory. And then Carl's going to join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the Water is open. You can uh, you can sit outside. You can enjoy some drink, enjoy some food, and much more there with, uh, with Rafters on the Water. So uh, take advantage of that. And, again, we'll go straight to the phone now, and we'll talk to Carl Lafferty with Ole Miss Baseball. Carl, appreciate it spending a little time with us this afternoon. Uh, we're going to get to plenty of baseball, plenty of Ole Miss baseball as the draft has uh, come and gone. Your signing class pretty much uh, it was always set, but now you know who exactly is getting to campus here uh, and pretty soon as uh, baseball players can uh, can report back. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, last time we talked to you, the pandemic, or at least the quarantine portion of the pandemic, sorry, was uh, just kind of getting going, kind of in the middle a little bit. Things are starting to open back up. How's how, how's the wiffle ball games going with the kids? Are you ready to? I, I know you don't have a ton of hair. Are you ready to pull the rest out? What's what, what's going on in the Lafferty household? We have maxed out every activity that one family can do in a neighborhood or a front or backyard. Uh, we've done everything three thousand times. Uh, we had a lot of milestones. Uh, we've got some uh, some young kids potty trained. We taught kids how to ride bikes. Uh, oldest learned how to do a flip on the trampoline. Of course, the football, you know, baseball, uh, basketball, every other possible thing we could do, go fishing. Uh, we've done it all, and I, and I think they are, they're tired of that. They, they want someone else to entertain them. Uh, so excited that the, the pool is open back up, and they've been able to go to the pool. That has been a, a saving grace. So uh, everything is, is on the up and up in the Lafferty house. I'm really glad you got the potty training done because to, to clue to clue a few people in, that's been a point of discussion between you and I for a really long time. I don't know if you've ever been more jealous of a four-year-old as a three-year-old as a two-year-old as mine. So I'm I'm glad you finally got that milestone out of the way, bud. No, it, it was. First, you have a, a freak child. Nobody's child potty trains the way yours did. That doesn't make any sense. And then I am raising, uh, as I tell my wife, my, my two youngest, you know, 
it's, it's so funny. Everybody tells you how your kids can be different, and it's uh, obviously the case in the, the Lafferty house where my, my oldest wants to do everything right, likes to be a good kid, and then the two twins wake up just to wreck shop every day. And so not being potty trained, I think, was like uh, their own insanity joke that they played on Dad every day during the pandemic because I was responsible for all that. Um, so, so conquering that task, oh, man, it is exponentially increase the quality of my life. That is for sure. What is the hardest part of having twins? Um, you know, I, I don't really know any different, you know, because they were second. Uh, I, I will say this. I do not remember the first year of their life. Uh, that sounds horrible. I, I, I mean, that sounds awful. When I say I don't remember it, you are just in a, a coffee-induced fog where you are trying to survive from one day to the next and you just do it you just you just fight your way through and then you wake up and uh it's a little bit better but i look back at pictures and i and i can't remember i I mean i I, like i know that happened but if you told me to recall that day i'd have no shot uh now as you as you really get into it uh it's getting more and more fun it's easier you know when they obviously start sleeping through the night and you hit all those normal milestones of uh, getting it out of a car, getting potty trained, uh, just all the, the stuff that you go through. I mean, you trade uh, an old set of problems for a new set of problems, but it's uh, it, it gradually gets easier, um, and now it just really just challenges your patience more rather than your sleep. What have these last couple of months been like for you? Because I'll tell you, as soon as this thing hit, it was, oh, wow, you're not at the park every day. And I mean, your life, I mean, I'm there enough, but you're there tons more than I am. And then it sort of got into this weird routine where I kind of forgot about it. But I'll tell you, as this would have been the first week of the College World Series, as the week that it was supposed to be Hoover, as the week of the regionals, it kind of came back in full sport, full, uh, <clears throat> sport a little bit where it was like, hey, this is, this is strange. It's really weird not going to the ballpark as those weeks kind of built up on themselves. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I think as the as the pandemic hit initially, there's just so much uncertainty in the world, and you know, as a parent, as a you know, from the the parental side of it, from the job aspect of it, everybody has questions. You know, everybody's trying to figure it out, and the the uncertainty uh, leaves uneasy with all of us. It, but you do kind of get into that weird routine, and you know, I, I kind of knocked along there for a while, and, and then you start to get a little frustrated. I, I guess the frustration has hit more and more for me. I, when the season got canceled, I think we all shed some tears and it was just like an acceptance of it. It was almost like a grieving period. And once you get past that, you know, you just kind of get knocking along into a routine. Well, now for me, the big thing is all these kids are playing summer baseball. And this is when I'm running out. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, as sad as to say, it's just like a woman going shopping. Like this is my opportunity to, to go see players and go watch players. And obviously we can't do that. Uh, in the middle of a dead period, and we're dead at least through July 31st. Um, so that that got frustrating. Uh, what you said, you know, Clem and I texting back and forth like, hey, we should be in the third inning of game one of the Oxford Regional. Um, you know, my kid looking at me because the last, you know, the last two times to Hoover, of course, we played in the championship game, and my, my oldest son's been able to ride the bus and hang out in the hotel the whole week with dad. And so he just thinks that's what you do at Hoover. And, uh, and then he's been, you know, he's, he's kind of infatuated with it. So we have literally been watching the every season episode known to man on YouTube on, in our living room because that's what he wants to watch. And, you know, it just reminds you it's, it's, 
it's awesome to see those memories, but it just kind of digs at you because you haven't, yeah, you didn't get to do that this year. So, uh, like you said, a, a, a lot of mixed emotions uh, going back and forth with it, and a lot of reminders of just how you know different things are. But you know, as I said before, now with the the coming of summer baseball for a lot of these you know prospective student athletes and the the high school age kids, I guess it just it gives you hope. It gives you hope that we're moving uh, more toward a you know a state of normalcy. Do you miss going out on the road at this point? Absolutely. Do you? I love it. I love watching. I love watching players. I mean, I love like the the cool thing for me is you go watch Doug Nikhazy when he's a ninth grader or tenth grader, and you get to know him. And in your mind, you say, "Okay, this is what I really think he could be." And then you're a part of that process once he gets to school, and you see him, you know, move forward step by step through the process of of growing into the the, the person and the player that he is. And then you even have some of the, you know, some of the guys that are past that that are two or three years into pro ball or getting into big leagues or having a family. So it's really just getting to see them through the process. And, and certainly um, the recruiting process is exciting because there's competition there. There's competition between other schools to get the kids as you like and so on and so forth. So to say I miss it is a, uh, is an understatement. Well, and it's been, I mean, it's, it's been your life for now for well over a decade. I mean, you haven't had, I mean, we talked about this last time, not going to like harp on it, but I mean, now that we've gotten into the summer, especially you haven't had a summer off like this in a long time. I ever, I mean, ever, you know, I guess my, you know, after my junior year of college, that may have been the only summer where it was kind of like this. I guess I was taking summer school, but outside Mm -hmm. of that, it's always been, you know, working, doing something like, or playing baseball, coaching baseball. Um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been weird. Um, you know, again, I, like I said, the, the time with family has been great. Um, and I will, I cherish that, but yeah. there's no question. I want to be back out on the road and, you know, running through Atlanta, you know, at, uh, getting up and watching pool play games that start at 9 a.m. and then still finding yourself at the park at 2.15 a.m. and cussing about it, but knowing you're going to get up in five hours and do it all over again. Uh, there is something that, uh, that oddly enough, is fun and uh, intriguing to all that. What kind of snacks you take with you to kind of not gain a 1,000 pounds of fast food and try to eat somewhat okay on the road during that type of day? Well, well this is where Clem and I yeah, – Clem gains weight in the summer. I lose weight. Um, and it's funny because I can't eat. If I eat, then, you know, I, I, I just don't – I won't be able to lock into a game like I want to. So, typically, I don't really – like, I'll eat breakfast at the hotel, usually uh, like an omelet, and then I'll grab a smoothie somewhere during the middle of the day, and then at night I'll eat something, like I'll have, like, some type of meal. But I can't eat during the middle of the day just because you're – it's, you know, 9,000 degrees – um, you're constantly going, sitting, watching, talking, communicating. And if I eat very much, man, I will, I'll go comatose. I'll just tip over and fall asleep because you're usually running on, you know, short amount of uh, time for sleep. So I actually do a decent job of losing weight in, uh, in the summer. Clem, on the other hand, uh, loves chicken tenders more than any human being on earth and, Everywhere you go, at every concession stand, they're there. So that's his nemesis. So he could give me a breakdown of the chicken tenders at every perfect game and every complex place around the country if I ask him to. Every high school in the greater Atlanta area, not to mention Lake Point, East Cobb, 
Uh, he has he is a connoisseur of the chicken tender. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, fair yep. enough. So, is anybody playing any type of summer baseball right now? I, I know I, th- I saw I saw a roster where the thing maybe at what Pearl River had Cade on it. Is there anything else? Is there anything going on? Yeah, so the the Northwoods League is still cranking up. They have a, a tentative date of July one, and that, for all indications, is is going to happen. And then what you've seen uh, locally, I guess around the country, um, and it happened here in Mississippi, but uh, just the the big issues with college summer leagues or what they faced were okay, how are we going to have uh, how are we going to have these kids in host families? Because that's mm-hmm. typically like when you go off and play somewhere, you, you you live with someone, you live with a host family, and then some of the uh, the admission standards that. You know, some of these summer league teams, they they have bigger parks, they draw. That's it's a business. That's how they make money. Well, what's kind of happened instead of that? You have uh, you know some of their uh, travel ball teams that you know again some of the teams in this area that do travel baseball for high school age kids. You know, they've seen a niche where okay, let's create this college summer league uh, just as some random you know at some high schools. They may get access to some some pro parks now because you know obviously there's no minor league baseball. But uh, because they're in the footprint of the SEC and there's so many, you know, college baseball players in this area, you know, you can uh, run a small league uh, where you're, you know, again, you're not playing to, to draw. You're playing so kids can have the opportunity to play. And they play a couple times a week, but it's uh, it's all kids that have a place to stay. You know, they they live close enough that they can drive in, you know, for that particular day and play and turn around and go home. And so, um you know, here in Mississippi, there's uh, there's a league in Meridian. Uh, there's a league in Jackson, Hattiesburg. Um, I think that over in Alabama, there's a league around the uh, Huntsville area, maybe. Um, there's a league down around Baton Rouge. I know that Chatney was playing in a league down around Houston. Um, and I think they've just kind of popped up all over the place with some of these uh, travel ball coaches just given opportunities. They have relationships with a lot of these players, so hey, let's, uh, let's have several teams. And, again, we've been playing on some high school fields or, um, you know, some smaller parks, but it, it's given these guys an avenue to go out and get some innings and get some of that. Do you have any guys in the Northwoods League? Uh, we do. We have a, actually several guys. I think nine. I'm pulling this nine. up as I sit here in my office just to try to. Okay, so uh, how many did you have in the Northwoods League it? before everything shut down? Because there's no way it was nine. No, it was nine. Oh, was it really? Uh, okay. Yep, it was nine. We, uh, you know, we, I guess, right toward the end when they, well, good point. When things shut down, when I, again, March thirteenth hit, I was able to stick a few more guys okay. up there. But um, was that you right guessing now, that they would be the most likely to play? What kind of went into that? Yeah, I just, I, I mean, it's the Midwest. Um, probably uh, the when I say the most rural, it's. Uh, it seems like the more you're away from, you know, California or New York, you know, there's a league in New York that got shut down. There's a league, you know, to the Carolinas. It seemed like we'd have more of a shot. But, okay. uh, you know, we've got nine guys going up there. Uh, when you look at it, going to the or to the Fond du Lac Dock Spiders, you got Bench, Lapasser, Elko, and Diamond. Uh, Wausau, you got uh, Cole Baker, Kale Baker, and Savelle. And okay. Kalamazoo, you have Sammons and Van Cleve. So you, we've got some guys going out there. And then, of course, uh, in some of these leagues, um, I say locally, you know, there's six or seven more guys going out to play. So we're we're still going to get some guys out there to, to play some summer baseball. 
that at least is something. I mean, that's what I was trying to think. Because, I mean, we, we talked about it last time, how you were able to maybe change the fall up. You said probably a little more inter squads, a little more whatever. So, I mean, at least some of these dudes, especially a guy like Derek Diamond, who comes in with his very first year and he only throws, I think, 21.1 innings or something like that. I mean, he he frankly needs the work, right, even against that, that, that kind of talent level. No doubt. I, I, and, I mean, I even think, you know, for – you know, guys like Nikhazy and Hoagland, I think they'll throw more in the fall than they have in the past. But especially for some of these young kids, just to go out and, you know, get some at-bats, uh, even if it's, you know, 75 or 80, at least it's 75 or 80 at-bats. For some of the young pitchers to go out and get a few more innings in, in a competitive, you know, against college hitters, uh, no matter if they're SEC or not, I think that's big too. So, um yeah, I mean, it can help. You know, it's one of those things that's it's risk versus reward. And, you know, for some of those young guys, just getting, you know, any type of experience is, is good. So let's dig into a little bit. Um, the NCAA has uh, given a little bit of legislative relief for uh, this one season. The 35-man cap is gone. No limitation now on that. The annual counter goes from 27 to 32. So for the, some people out there, uh, how many players you can have on scholarship on your roster – and then they remove the uh, 25% minimum. Uh, out of all of those, just in general, for SEC-type schools, for non-law, however you want to phrase it, how big of a deal is that? Are any of those kind of bigger helps than another, or is it not? Where do you kind of stand on some of those? You know, I think it's, and I think it's really in particular to each school. Um, I think you give some flexibility there to keep some guys on aid. Uh, if you've got to move some money around and change some things around, which there are some schools like, you know, we discussed earlier that were in way tougher situations than, say, we were just because of the makeup of your roster. And what I mean by that is, obviously, if you have older guys that you are planning on losing and then, you know, you look up and now you go from a 40-round draft to a five-round draft and so on and so forth, extra year eligibility, so on, it, it, it does have a, a little bit of a compound effect. Um so I think that's good. I mean, I think it gives, you know, gives guys the opportunity to stay at places where, you know, there were probably going to have to be some hard decisions made if they didn't. Um, I don't know how much of a, you know, a game changer it is. It, it, it gives a little bit of ease and a little bit of flexibility. Um, again, it, it's, a, it's an imperfect situation. I don't think there was any great answer. Um, I mean, and I, in this day and age with everything going on, uh, you know, I never saw them giving more dollars or more aid. Um, so, yeah, I think the flexibility probably helped, you know, some schools maybe a little bit more than others. Um, you know, fortunate for us, we, you know, we were younger this year, so we had less moving parts. The Oxford Exxon podcast is also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Our friends at Blue Delta are pleased to announce the Blue Delta studio is now open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. If you have jeans to pick up or if you're ready to get measured, for your own Blue Delta jeans, don't hesitate to drop by or reach out to Blue Delta to schedule an appointment. While you're in, don't forget to check out Blue Delta's new line of Georgia-milled duck canvas fabrics. Strong and durable, these are the ultimate made-to-last pants. Info at BlueDeltaJeans.com on email or on social media at Blue Delta Jeans. Whichever way is easier for you, give the Blue Delta Jeans team a shout, and they'll be glad to see you at Blue Delta Jeans. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you are in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by Dead Soxie. 
The uh, bundle packs have been broken out. You can now purchase any of the Father's Day styles individually or as the bundle. Several customers reached out to Dead Soxy requesting that they do that because they didn't have kids or the kids were not of the age. And as Blue, as I should say, as Dead Soxy always does, um, when you ask, they listen. And so you go to deadsoxy.com. Better hurry, though. Get those, uh, get those orders in by tomorrow if you want to get them to dad in time for Father's Day. Deadsoxy.com. We're also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. Iron Horse Grill built as the Armor Smokehouse in 1906. This legendary Jackson landmark is a true icon of Mississippi's rich heritage. Twice the Iron Horse Grill has burned partially down, but it's risen from the ashes like never before. Live music four times per week. The perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. It uh, recently added the largest outdoor patio in Jackson along the Illinois Central Railroad. So you can also check out the Mississippi Music Experience Museum on the second floor of the restaurant. Make it part of your next stop in Jackson at 320 East Pearl Street. Uh, We are also brought to you by our friends at Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in multiple states, advisors in several states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. They treat investing like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off of your first year's fee. And we're brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis, If you're uh, ready to get out after uh, three-plus months of pandemic, a lot of things are starting to open up again. You want to get a good deal on your travel, John can take care of you there. I've been traveling for uh, four decades, basically. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. What you do is you give him some parameters, you give him a budget, and he'll give you a list of options that you won't find on your own. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. The Ole Miss Rebels and head coach Lane Kiffin want you all aboard this season. Renew your 2020 season tickets by the end of today, June 15th. With their no-risk ticket option, as Coach Kiffin brings his innovative offense back to the SEC. For more information, visit fb.olemistix.com. That's fb.olemistix.com. Get rewarded all season long in 2020 by downloading the free Coca-Cola Rewards app today. Simple. Attend home athletic events, earn points, win prizes. Download the free app from the Google Play Store or App Store today by searching Rebel Rewards or visit rebelrewards.com. Rebel rewards be rewarded. And uh, are you ready? Coach Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels are ready to make a splash in the SEC West. Renew your 2020 season tickets and receive a Lane Kiffin bobblehead. For more information on how to renew, it's fb.olemistix.com. Again, fb.olemistix.com. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, 
All with the personal touch, they also offer their customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group, dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. Bluff City values providing quality advice, experience, and access to all their clients, and they invite an open dialogue beyond your annual review. They believe that everyone deserves financial security. No matter your level of wealth or financial goal, they'll serve as an advocate and a guide to grow a portfolio that is fruitful and sustainable for you. 901 365-3447 or email Ben, that's B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. Yeah, with, especially with the, the 25% or, or, or whatever else, when it's just one year like this too, I mean, it is like you said, it can be a little bit of a Band-Aid, but it's not like you're overhaul, overhauling systems over one year. I mean, it's no, not like it's like a five-year I mean, deal you where you get, go, oh, well, we have a different deal in place. Yeah, I mean, it's it allows you to get your house in order a, yeah. a little bit better, you know, especially addressing some things in your 20, because we haven't signed any of our 2021s. So most schools in the league, in our league have a number. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're done in 2021, but they're pretty close to it. Uh, and it allows them to kind of address any issues that you, that you have there to pump the brakes if you – we're planning on signing a couple more 2021s. Maybe you don't now, um, but it allows you to get uh, you know get your feet underneath you and have a better idea moving forward of of what to expect uh, next year. So you got at least on uh, Marine for Perfect Game. You might tell me if I'm missing a couple, but 13 uh, guys in this incoming class as far out of high school. We'll get to a JUCO kid in a minute as, as well. But you knew that you had a top ranked class last year. All those guys probably eat up a pretty good bit of scholarship money. Um, none of my business, but just kind of throwing that out there. What sort of goes into that next class? I mean, we saw the same thing in 17 after that 16 class. Because, I mean, you, you, you probably have a lot of kind of stuff tied up. So is it a little smaller class? Is it, I mean, how, you know, from, from really the beginning of when you start putting together this 20 class, what sort of went into it? And how do the other classes kind of uh, change what you're doing from, uh, from that standpoint? Well, I think, you know, uh, when, you, when you get a good class on campus like you did last year, you start with a – each year somewhat of a skeleton and what i mean by that you you try to gauge how many arms you're going to need um if you have athlete you know you go okay how many you know physical corner bats are you going to go after uh how many athletic middle guys because they're obviously more flexible and then you go catchers i need to catch um and you start building it out kind of from there and so uh the you know class has kind of evolved and and i look at this class that's coming in and I know that as and and I, and I put this out there. I think every recruiter, if they're not excited about their class they're bringing in, hmm, that's really scary. But this class that's coming in, I am super excited about. I mean, you you look at say the I guess this was the class that uh, that just left. So you know you had Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servideo that were juniors and just left. Uh, also, you have like Tim Elko who was impactful this year and was playing really well. And there were some guys, you know, in that class 
even though that was the small class after Gray, after Dillard, after all those guys, there's still some really some impactful pieces. And I think you see that in 2020. It's just um, in the class coming in for us, it's just not usually as big. Um, you know, the number of scholarship guys, the number of non-scholarship guys you have, um, it just uh, the numbers kind of uh, shrink down. And, you know, where you may have a class of, you know, 19 or 20, maybe this near your smaller classes are 12, 13, 14, something like that. So, and then, and then wherever you are after that, it, it, it trickles down to the class after. So I think you start off, you know, as far out as we recruit. And when you're recruiting a 2023 or a 2022 for us, say like, you know, ninth and 10th graders, you look for, Hey, I think this guy's a difference maker. Um, and then as you get closer to that, to those guys showing up, you start to fill in with pieces that you think that you need, maybe more specific pieces. Maybe I need to get a Juco guy to get a left-handed bat. Maybe I need to get uh, an arm that I feel like could come in and have a real chance to pitch, you know, immediately. Uh, because when we love Doug McKaysey, um, I don't think any of us could have predicted that he would have been the Saturday starter, you know, on a super regional team his freshman year. Uh, those stories happen and those are terrific, but, that's a lot to expect of a, of a true freshman. So I know it's uh, kind of talking circles around it, but I guess that's the, the best way I could address it. We'll start there. You mentioned junior college kind of late stuff. You've got Brandon Johnson out of Columbia State, uh, a right-handed pitcher. When you are evaluating JUCO players, the, the leagues are so different from a from a opponent talent level. How much do you factor in high school? What all are you kind of looking at from a JUCO recruiting standpoint when you're getting those kids? I think a, a lot of times you look at, and again, this is a this is a conversation that goes on in our office between me and Clement and, and Mike all the time. Uh, I think when you look at junior college players, probably the toughest thing to find is like a middle of the lineup three four hole hitter. Um, those guys just typically aren't out there in junior college. And what I mean by that, it's so it's so hard for what you just said. I mean, it is a hard, hard deal to come in and just immediately hit in the SEC for anyone. So usually guys that hit in the middle of your order are guys that have, you know, matured through your program and been here a couple of years. Most of the time that's a high school guy. Uh, but I think you can go out and find pieces. You can find a leadoff guy like, uh, you know, a Braxton Lee. You can find a catcher, a defensive catcher that ends up hitting like Stuart Turner. Um, you can find arms, you know, where you, a Christian Trent, um, a David Parkinson, you can find pieces like that. You can find a defensive shortstop. You can find a utility guy. I think that you just you have to get real specific with the needs. I think the only thing in Juco that's, at least for me, that's ever been able or been difficult is, hey, I'm going to go grab this junior college guy and we're going to stick him in the three or four hole and he's going to be uh, hit 320 with, you know, double-digit home runs type of guy. Outside of that, you seem to find – Top of the lineup, bottom of the lineup, uh, position-specific uh, players. And then I think it e- it's easier to find impactful arms. Yeah, because, I mean, we, not, not to belabor something we've talked about before, but there's just no guarantee those those, those junior college transfers look any different than a high school freshman than a, than a college freshman coming up. I mean, it, it's the transition is almost identically, identical a lot of times. It is. It's, uh, it's tough. It is the reason I have a very poor hairline to be honest. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're dead on with that. 
so getting into the high school class a little bit uh, via perfect game, uh, Kemp Alderman, 47th overall um, from uh, from Mississippi. What it looks like a frankly a unit, uh, six foot two, 240 pounds. What are you getting in Kemp, and uh, is he is he potentially a two way guy, or are you sticking kind of one way for now? And in your opinion, no, I think he's absolutely a two way guy, uh, and Kemp is really athletic. The the thing that people don't know about Kemp, and again. Uh, not only can he does he have a ton of power, but he is a really good athlete. Like he'll run a a seven flat or a sub seven sixty. Uh, he started playing the outfield some last summer. Uh, when I I got to see him actually play this uh, this season in high school, he moved around really well at third base because uh, that, that's one of the things he had really been working on his athleticism, lateral movement, and he can really hit. I mean, you know, he has played with San Bianco. So Coach B has seen him grow, you know, growing up for a number of years, and the kid has never done anything but hit. Um, an advanced approach to hit, power, real power. And then uh, I think he's more suited for a, a reliever role on the mound because he'll get up there and run it up to 93, 94, 95 miles an hour uh, on the mound. And I think that's kind of how we would use him. So if you ask me, obviously a position player, a physical bat, um, and as a – as a pitcher, probably in a relief type, you know, relief type role where he comes in and you know throws the heck out of it. But he's he's definitely one we're excited about. So you have been able to kind of stockpile these guys. I'm moving on to Calvin Harris a little bit. The uh, <clears throat> the catcher from Iowa, big time defender. You've you've got Hayden, obviously. Uh, we'll call him a sophomore because I highly doubt he's more than three years here. No matter what we want to call it from a classification right now, but similar there in a lot of ways i mean you know having two guys like that potentially on campus doesn't have doesn't happen very often i mean you're talking about that if if things go as they should from a development standpoint you potentially have at least arguably two of the top catch and throw guys in the league on the same roster no question um and that's you know the the thing that and again i hate being the the guy that you know that seems braggadocious but we use our track record says we do a good job with catchers and uh, part of it is how we what we identify them in the recruiting process, and then what we demand of them when they get here. Um, the fan base obviously knows Hayden Dunhurst, who is tremendous. Uh, Calvin Harris is a really, really exciting player. Uh, he has tremendous catch and throw skills. Offensively, he can swing the bat. Um, but the the unique thing about Calvin is he is a, I mean, a tremendous athlete, a tremendous basketball player, quarterback, like can do can do anything and so in years past you've seen us catch cooper johnson play nick fortes at first and have thomas dillard out in left field uh the thing that, that calvin harris does is he's a six seven runner um has an absolute cannon i mean he'll jump up on the mound and run up to 94 95 we are not going to ask him to do that here yeah. um but he can he has a lot of flexibility in what he can do moving around the baseball field so um, we've always caught two guys. There's always been an opportunity to catch two guys throughout the course of the year. Um, but Calvin, you know, fits the mold of, of some of the other catchers we've had in the past where he can move around uh, and play different positions. What's the recruiting story there? Talking about a top 100 kid out of Iowa. What was uh, what sort of got you in on him to begin with? Mike Clement. Mike oh, Cato, yeah, yeah. I, 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 forgot, I forgot that. I don't know if you realize this, Jake. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody from Iowa – knows each other it's a it's the weirdest cult in america um you if you walk anywhere with clem like you know, you'll 
there'll be some random person from Iowa. And when two people from Iowa sit and talk, they at least know 165 people between the two of them. It, it's amazing. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And so uh, that obviously kickstarted the relationship. And then, um, you know, because there was some some common ground there where, you know, I think they could do a little bit of, you know, vet us a little bit with some people that they knew that uh, knew our program. Uh, so it just kind of, it, it went from there. And, and I think there was the, the, the piece where our track record developing catchers was, was good. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to land him and he was one of those kids that even through the draft this year, we, we weren't sure maybe it was a five round draft, but we didn't know, um, if he was going to make it, uh, cause he's that kind of a, of a talent. Um, so we were, we were fired up when, uh, when Thursday ended and, uh, he was headed to Oxford, Mississippi. How, where where at the point does that track record come in, or how big of a deal is that? Because especially with catcher, like you said, you can sit there and you talk about you know Stuart Turner winning the Johnny Mitchell Award and Will Allen being a finalist, and then Cooper doing everything he did, and on down the road and down the road and down the road. I mean, is is that position more than the other? I would assume that that's about one of the better tools you have. No, absolutely agree. Um, you know, and, and the fact that all three of us were catchers, uh, yeah. and you just start stacking it up year after year after year, and you go. God, like for the last, you know, 15 years or more under Mike Bianco, all of his starting catchers have all gone on to play professional baseball. And you just start thinking about that. And you go, hmm, and you look at it on paper. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I say this all the time. As coaches, uh, it's, yeah, we were all catchers. I think we have a good catching system. Um, but let's be honest, we've been the beneficiary of having good players because, the guys that have caught here, I think that starts in the, you know, in the recruiting process. When I'm missing out on the the ability to go watch players, you know, that position is is obviously something I know very well. Clem knows it very well. Mike knows it very well. So we know what it takes to be good there. Rather than if you're someone else that's out recruiting and say your your background was an outfielder or your background as a coach was a pitcher, then you think you know what a catcher is, but do you really know what a catcher is? Uh, because that that position is so important on the field, so I think all of that goes into it. Um, and as I said earlier, we we've been the the beneficiary of having some really good kids that are really good baseball players. Probably should ask you this earlier, where it's Mike being on the road and stuff. But you mentioned not being out this summer. Or, or is it? How about? I mean, everybody's in the same boat, so I guess that helps. But just traditionally, from a schedule standpoint, are you falling behind in a way? I mean, what's sort of the catch up procedure once this thing gets uh gets back going? I think we're pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's subjective on what you what you normally do. Um, I think if we get to, I mean, right now I feel like, you know, with our 2021s and especially with what happened, I think that kind of brought things to a screeching halt on making moves in the 2021 class, at least for the, the time being. Uh, so mainly what we've been trying to identify are some 2022s and 2023s. And there's some guys that uh, that maybe we've seen a good bit that we know that we're monitoring, that we, you know, they're doing a lot of, you know, live streaming stuff, uh, which isn't the greatest, but it gives you the opportunity to see some player that, you know, just to, to give you an instance, we had a, a kid that, you know, I'm super excited about. I can't say his name, but he committed to us recently. Um, and we had seen him in the past quite a bit, you know. Uh, pitcher was probably 81, 84 as a young guy, but loved the delivery, loved the feeling command. Well, now he's jumped up and he's 88, 91, uh, and we knew all the background, seen him play, and you know verified he had made the jump. So it was, 
it was easy to make a move on him. Uh, outside of that, you know, just now just finding someone you didn't know about and being able to watch them and evaluate them. Uh, us internally, that's more difficult, uh, and that that kind of slows the the process down for the 2022s and 2023s in that regard. But I do feel like with the lack of high school baseball um, and everything being limited this summer, that once we are cleared to get back out on the road, things will speed up pretty quick, you know, for fall ball and things like that. I'm going to go over a couple at least listed on here, shortstops in a second. But, I mean, you obviously incredibly happy for, for Anthony Servideo headed to uh, – to, to the Orioles, and you've got a little bit of an interesting thing on your hands because it feels like there's sort of been the appointed guy at shortstop for a very, very long time, maybe even dating back to Errol in 2014 when he came in as a freshman. A little more competition there going into next season. I mean, I'm not even going to ask you to handicap it because it's impossible, but we kind of thought we knew, and this time it seems a little more open. No, it is wide open. That's probably the thing uh, for us as a, as a coaching staff that we'll be the, the most excited to see play out. Um, and I, when I say there's going to be as many guys over there, I mean, you can have four or five guys, you know, over there in defensively taking ground balls that we're all going to look at. Um, at least there's several in this incoming class. Uh, there are a couple here, uh, you know, guys like, uh, Peyton Chatagnier and Justin Bench. Um, so you're, you're going to see a lot of guys over on that left side and that's going to be the. You know, the big thing for us, uh, you know, moving through this fall and, and trying to play a, play more innings than we normally do is just to to see who handles that position because it is. I mean, it, I mean, there's been – you can think back years ago when we had, uh, you know, if we've had shortstops that maybe made a few more errors uh, than, uh, than we would like, how, how tough that can make the year. But we have been super fortunate. I mean, going back to, to Kevin Moore where we've really had some good – solid, consistent uh, shortstop play over the, man, it's a long number of years. So I do feel like out of that group, we're in a, a really good position. Um, it's just hard to tell because, you know, you're, you're going to go look at some guys that either you haven't seen play on the collegiate level, uh, meaning they're incoming guys, uh, or on the SEC level, and then you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't, you know, we've seen our guys take, some ground balls over there, but we haven't watched them play necessarily, uh, you know, in, in too many games. So it'll be exciting. Uh, I like the pieces and I like the competition and there's certainly a, a number of guys up for the job. So that will be the, probably the most interesting position this fall. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, Soto County and Chattanooga underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. So you're getting local underwriting and understand your market a leader in condo financing in Oxford, and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy on South Lamar in Oxford. Also Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Both those locations are open for regular business hours. Tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window. And GM is offering curbside service there in Oxford. Both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well. 662-236-2222. The podcast brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com is the website. Click the very top to see how to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also, ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now 
in Oxford between Tip Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. I'll protect the guilty, but now I'm going through it in my head as you mentioned that. And there are really only a couple seasons where it was just kind of abysmal at that position. I mean, it's been really good in, I mean, seriously, you know, 18 of Mike's 20 years or whatever it is. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. No, it's so. a, you know, old school baseball guys will tell you, man, you got to you gotta have a shortstop that can, you know, pick up the baseball. You've got to have a, a good catcher. You know, uh, I think, you know, center field has become a more offensive position in today's game, but mm-hmm. – you know, your your catcher and your shortstop are going to handle the baseball more than anybody on the on the field. Um, so those guys have got to be able to to do it back there. It can, man, it just it can really tax your pitching staff, uh, put you in put you in uh, difficult positions. So uh, that's my nightmare as a recruiter is to to really have a you know a shortstop position that, that struggles. So Jacob Gonzalez and T.J. McCants, two guys that are ranked pretty close to each other. They're about the same size. They can can they play a lot of different positions? You can put them together, break them up, however you want to do it. I would assume that there's some uh, some versatility there. Second base, maybe third base, depending on bats. I mean, you got some you got some options there if you're trying to replace Servideo and Keenan. You no question, uh, and you you hit the nail on the head. They're both very good athletes. Uh, they can play, I think, any position on the infield. Uh, which lets you know they could, I'm not saying they could play center field, but uh, definitely in our program, uh, if you can play any of the infield positions, you have a good shot of playing, you know, the corner outfield too. So they provide a ton of versatility, a ton of athleticism, and, you know, you mentioned it, but they're highly ranked and they're really, really talented kids. So uh, what I think you'll see both of them, you know, take ground balls at shortstop, Um, you know, and I think you'll see them play, a lot of different places. And I think that's going to be the kind of the, you know, as funny as you, know, you say, it, we talked about the newness of last fall. Um, I think it's going to be the same just because we only had 17 games. You know, we had 17 games and uh, the two most consistent positions that we knew going into last year were shortstop and third base. Well, those are now open. Uh, there was obviously a ton of competition you know, all around the field, you know, last spring as we got going. So I think, you know, in a 17-game season, you're certainly going to walk back in here. There's going to be competition in those other areas like we would expect. But now, you know, the left side of the infield is open, so that's going to provide additional competition. So while we do have some returners, um, at, well, several returners from last year's team, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a lot of things up for grabs. And, again, you know, after 17 games, I don't think that there's anybody that's just – absolutely locked down, hey, I'm going to be the starter and they can walk in in August and feel comfortable about that. I think it's something that, you know, I mean, from bottom to top of the roster that, hey, 
you know, the position player side, you better you better bring it every single day. This might be crazy, and it might be something that most people don't agree with. But from a fan base st- standpoint, while he was a very popular player and a very key player for years, I'm not sure that the the normal fan understands just how productive Tyler Keenan was over three years. When you look at from just hitting from day one and everything that he did, I mean that's it's it's an impossible replacement over there. Nobody's necessarily going to be him day one, but. From a totality of a career, I'm not sure anybody's been as consistently productive at him that I can think of coming in as a true freshman in y'all's program. How about this statement? He is one of the best hitters to ever play at Ole Miss. Uh, you talk about the ability to hit the baseball. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Like, one, I told you that my son is trying to watch every season, you know, every season episode from beginning to end six times. But in his three years, you just go back and you, you look through it, all the big at-bats, all the hits, the numbers, it, it's unbelievable. And then the side that the fans don't see, then um, you, you talk to the guys on the pro side of it, and, of course, the analytics of baseball really shine through. But you, you look at what he's done, hitting here, hitting in summer ball, it's it's unbelievable. Like they, they talk about uh, what you know. One of the big stats for pro guys when you talk about their you know guy stat score, you start looking at power, walks, strikeouts, the numbers he puts up, you know, in college baseball, which any fan can see. But a lot of these clubs will go into it and they'll go, you know, especially with a college guy because everything is you know trackable, sortable, etc. They'll go, okay, what did he hit against prospects? Meaning we evaluate guys for our you know, for the draft and guys that we really think of prospects. Usually, when we talk about a prospect, you talk about like you know top three, top five rounder. Well, in one organization's you know Tyler Keenan batting average against prospects, it was like three thirty against prospects. Hmm. That's insane. That's not talking about the the average right hander rolling out of a bullpen in a midweek game. That's you know number ten on his the team's depth chart. That's against, like, Friday, Saturday starters in the SEC, elite relievers, guys that were projected to go, like, in the top five rounds at least. And Tyler Keenan hit, you know, 328 or whatever he did in that particular organization. Again, it's subjective, but you start to, you know, he he hit the Friday night starters. You know, he didn't hit the back end, the back of the staff pitchers. He hit everybody. He hit fastballs. He hit fastballs that were over 90 miles an hour. He hit breaking balls. He hit change-ups. Um, when you go back and look at it, man, it was it was beyond impressive what he did. What did you think of him coming in? What, what was sort of your profile, or what were, what were you hoping for when he was a recruit and he first got here? Well, I think you looked at him and you just go, okay, we need a, a physical bat. You know, left-handed hitter. We, You know, Clem and I are recruiting him. You watch him play. You go, man, I, I really feel like this kid has, you know, has a true feel to hit. We need someone that we think could be a middle-of-the-lineup hitter. Now, we say that about everybody, and they don't all turn into Tyler Keenan, or at least the guy who recruited in that profile. And that's where it started with him. And the impressive thing, like you said, is guys do that, but so, you know, sometimes it takes them you know, a couple years or at least one year. Tyler hit, I think, an SEC play like his freshman year, hit 320 with seven or eight home runs in SEC play, not overall, just SEC play. Uh, or maybe it was six or seven home runs, but it was mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. And to you know, like you said earlier, he just walked in the door and hit and didn't stop. And that's the thing that's impressive. You mentioned offensive, a uh, little more of a thing for center field. Is that kind of what you're hoping for with a guy like Hudson Sapp? 
Yeah, you know, Hudson, you know, you talk about a guy, hey, he can hit. You know, he's a uh, good runner, not like, not like a burner, not like a 6'4 runner, but he's somewhere in the 6'7 range. Uh, but a true center fielder, uh, takes good angles of the ball, but kind of like when, it, when I talk about Keenan, not from the power standpoint, but from the field to hit, man, he's got it. Like, he, he is a kid. He's, he's gritty. He's super tough, competitive. And he has a real feel, you know, to hit the baseball. So he's he's one to be excited about for sure. Arms, at least, not at the top of the class, but is there a couple that you uh, you, you like? I mean, it's a completely position uh, position heavy class from a, from a position standpoint. But uh, what do you what do you kind of stick out some from an arms? Man, I, the the one thing that I think the five round draft did for us, uh, I think it hid a lot of these arms that if they would have thrown in the spring, they would have made a lot of noise. And what I mean by that is like, you know, Cody Agtok, they're sending me, you know, he's telling me about his bullpen and things like that, but supposedly in his, he threw live to hitters the other day. He was 91-93, touching 95. Um, Josh Mallett, uh, his last bullpen, like he, you know, texts me like, hey, Coach, man, just had a really good bullpen, and, you know, calls me, tells me about it. Didn't throw a pitch under 91, bump at 94. And I think you'll see that, you know, with, you know, uh, Mallets, Agcock, Baker, Payne, um, even uh, even Nobla. There's some big physical guys that are going to come in and I think throw the ball with good velocity. Uh, and Brandon Johnson, you know, Brandon Johnson was a kid, junior college right-hander that we signed this spring um, right after the pandemic hit. He was a kid that I was on. And probably, you know, there were a lot of cross-checkers, you know, that we're going in to see him because he was a guy that kind of popped late. Uh, but his last outing, he was for four or five innings, he was 92-95, touching 96 with a good slider. And he just didn't have a chance to, you know, part of it, part of being scouted and getting drafted is getting enough looks on someone. So I, I'm super excited about the arms, to be honest with you, because I think they are the big, projectable strike throwers that were really going to start to come into their own, but because of a, of having no high school season or junior college season or a very short one, uh, they weren't really seen or heard about too much. So um, excited to say the least. And that's that deal where you've gotten burned by that several times over the past years. I mean, guys like Cody Reed or Caden Lemons or people like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stephen Jennings. You yeah. know, I think they, they kind of are the type of guys, and I'm not saying they would have, been you know no doubt second rounders yeah, got yeah. 1.4 or 1.8 but do you think about that going into their high school senior years these say Caden Lemons or you said Stephen Jennings they weren't really on anybody's radar and then they walk out their first outing or two and it's loud and then guys start rolling in you know every week after that you get eight or nine starts and you get comfortable with the guy and he's shown consistent stuff and that's how a guy climbs a draft board well when those kids don't make those starts, then nobody can be seen. So I think there's some guys like that in this class uh, from a, the pitching standpoint that internally that we've been fired up about. How did you think the draft went overall, just as far as it being five rounds? I mean, just for, they, they had to do something, and it's that deal where there's no perfect answer. You just had to figure out some way to make it work. I mean, overall, what's sort of your, your, your take on the way they went about it and the way that it ended up being executed? I think it's about as good as it went as good as it could. Um, you know, the, the the state of professional baseball right now, it's a tough one, man. You, you're talking about 
you know, the you know major leagues are trying to figure out how to play. There's no minor league baseball. Um, you know, when you look at the draft, those top three rounds are the ones where you really have like prospect, prospect. That's not to say that the beautiful thing about baseball, you can have a 25th round guy make it to the big leagues. I'm not discounting that fact, but if you go into every scouting director, um, you know, anybody in any draft room, they're going to tell you like, Hey, the prospects are, you know, top three, maybe the five rounds. So I think it did what it intended to do uh, with scraping off some of that, that known talent that was out there in a very, very deep college crop. When you look at, you know, I think six or seven of the first pick, the, the six or seven, you know, top picks of draft were college guys. There were some really good college baseball players that Major League Baseball is able to, you know, get their hands on right now and, and needed to. Um, but, I, you know, someone pointed out that, uh, you know, it, it points to college baseball doing a good job or being a good filter, you know, for Major League Baseball to, um, I guess, reveal what type of talent, prospect, et cetera, are out there. So uh, I, I don't know what it, you know, next year is supposed to be at least a 20-round draft, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, you know, certainly you want the opportunity for guys to play professional baseball. And, and as I mentioned earlier, there's 25th rounders, 38th rounders, free agent guys that, that make it to the big leagues. And so, you know, what does that opportunity look like for them? You know, that's the big question out there. I don't, I don't think anybody really knows. Um, but I think it served its purpose. Uh, without, without having teams to send, you know, your 15th round pick to, I don't know what you really gain by, by signing those guys. Um, so, again, I don't think it was a – like the the message throughout this whole pandemic, I don't think it, you know, the the situation is not a good one, and there's no perfect answer. But I think it it was sufficient given the set of circumstances that everyone had to deal with. How are you getting left behind a little bit compared to Clem? He's got this uh, he's got this Instagram live show he's doing. He's in the little commercial, the new videos going on. I mean, you're you're, you're kind of the forgotten man right now. No, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'll just say I will lie back here in the weeds. Um, and he's the darling. Like that's that's how he is. He's really high maintenance, so he needs all the TV and camera time. And I'm great with that. I don't mind being the man behind the curtain. That that suits me well. We uh we appreciate it. Hopefully uh you, oh you, you get the, what you get the kids to to campus next week. Is that right? Guys can start coming in. I kind of forgot that part. Yep. We're, yeah. Next week we'll start getting them in. We have to do physicals and all that. Get them acclimated, and then uh, we get them transitioned over and. Uh, they can start doing, you know, voluntary workouts and be in a facility and, you know, have a space where they can go each day to, to work to get better because that's, that's been a challenge, I think, for a lot of these guys, our current players and incoming players, uh, just with the pandemic and all the, uh, gosh, quarantine rules and, and different, you know, protocols put in place that just didn't create any opportunity for guys to go lift, throw, hit, et cetera. Yeah, it'll give you a little sense of normalcy if uh, nothing else. Well, we uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. Happy to do it.